Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. my goodness, I am so excited to announce that of merch, it is my 90s fantasy. And I just have to say thank you to my friend, dear, dear friend, Lara, who is the second guest ever of my podcast. We just celebrated one year of the podcast. We now have a lovely website. She helped me help computer. Uh, and uh, so if you want to live your 90s fantasy, we've got mugs, we've got blankets, we've got fanny packs. We're, we're working on a denim jacket. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So go to please don't kick me slash shop and buy some merch, y'all. Hey, weirdos, I want to share something with you I've been doing for a couple of months now. It is called Forbidden Bingo with my friend, DJ Rockstar Aaron. We are both from Denver. Uh, great human something that they put on virtually out of the kindness of their heart every week. And I'm just going to start by saying it's 18 plus, just so you know, um, but it's Forbidden Bingo. Forbidden Bingo is so much fun. You can play it in person if you live in Colorado or if it plays other places, or you can play it virtually online every Thursday at... 7 p.m. Pacific. Wow, I'm bad at time zones. But you know what? Just go to ForbiddenBingo.com, grab your tickets, and tell DJ Rockstar Aaron and Rich and all the other people that are playing that I sent you. That's ForbiddenBingo.com and unofficially, officially sponsors this podcast. Today's episode is extra special to me because I'm interviewing a person named Paint Frimmerlin. And Paint is proudly non-binary. And really, after talking to them, I realized that I'm also non-binary. And I've had a hard time adjusting to <coughs> excuse me, to the flag as someone who is cisgendered as a you know a straight white ally that never really fit me. So I love this one because I think that a lot of the times pronouns and gender and sexuality and being queer and all of that can be muddled and confusing. So I just want to give a big thank you to Paint for being on my podcast, for being open and for being vulnerable and happy pride Paint. I hope you're doing really well and I'm excited to share this episode. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me as the only inclusive podcast about imposter syndrome. We really, at least when I say we, I mean myself and my staff of my dog and my husband and anyone who supports the podcast. We want you to feel welcomed here. So please, if you've got it in your heart, in the kindness of your heart, rate us a five on Apple Podcasts. It would mean a lot. Thank you so much, Paint, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. <laughs> you sound so excited. Um, and it's, I had to like check my, in my mind. I'm like, is it a Friday? No, it's absolutely a Wednesday. This is of course, please don't kick me out. The podcast about imposter syndrome and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is paint. Paint, would you like to give your elevator pitch who you are, what you do, etc.? Um, so I'm paint and I would say that I am a traumatized creator and I am reclaiming my talents and space in the world. 
well, um, educating through my actions, just trying to be authentic, raising awareness of transgender and non-binary issues, trying to humanize us for people, sharing about mental health and disability issues, and just trying to give hope for a brighter and different future for people. That's so sunny. I like that. Um, I'm a LGBTQIA plus uh, ally and advocate, and I've taken the last year to really educate myself um, to understand. And uh, most recently, I shared an episode with my friend Courtney, who is trans, and I asked her point blank, like, what what do you want people to say to you, right? Like, like, and she said, the first thing was like, we should never be afraid of asking pronouns. And so um, before we begin, I don't want to refer to you in any wrong pronouns. So may I ask your pronouns? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, I use he, him, or they, them. Awesome. And I, I think I saw that on your website, but I just wanted to clarify if I'm doing the work, I might as well also ask the questions that are correct. Um, and I think it's awesome that you're trying to give a voice and a space for people that might be struggling in your same situation um, as someone that's um, comfortable being a little bit more out there and open about things. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just hop into the first question, which is, of course, do you feel like you have it all figured out? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, like I have, I have, um, kind of like a vague roadmap that I'm trying to follow. Um, but I, I, I am mostly just trying to reclaim my life. I feel like there's been a lot of things that have happened where I have felt like I was not in control of it. And so, um, I'm very fortunate to be in a situation where I can start to take a lot of that power back and uh, like reclaim my identity and my spirituality and just sort of who I am in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that you call it like a vague roadmap. I think like we're not meant to know kind of what it necessarily is. Like life is an ever-changing, ever-evolving flubber morpheus of just randomness and like our goalposts change over time but i think like life gets more interesting when we stop giving a fuck so to speak and just like start living oh absolutely um, in your truth exactly yeah so you get what i'm saying because in the last year i've done a lot of work on myself to kind of be unafraid and uninhibited to be myself and also like things that i thought were negative were only negative because they were not serving me it was a negative experience because it wasn't like a job that was correct or a friend that was correct or a relationship that wasn't right for me so in coming into my own and really feeling myself in the last year with all my self-care and my mental health and therapy and getting diagnosed with adhd i've been on this journey of just like really think like just really feeling i don't know more myself and in my uniqueness and doing things that make me happy and just not worrying as much anymore i don't know if that's because i'm like gonna be 32 this year but I feel like I, I when I turned 30 or so that's kind of when I was like eh, you know what like I don't really need to like please these people I just need to make myself happy so I'm kind of on that journey with you as well okay when when were you diagnosed with ADHD if I can ask uh last year so I oh. didn't know that I had it my whole life even though I'd been like diagnosed with it a couple of times like as a kid my parents didn't medicate me and once I got the diagnosis, cause I like my husband came home one day and I was just in absolute tears and I'd gotten laid off from my job and I was working on my podcast and I just couldn't, I kept opening tabs and I just couldn't remember why I was opening the tab, like what I was trying to do. I couldn't get the most basic task done. And I had had a podcast guest, my friend, Lindsay, I've known her since I was in middle school. We used to be in girl scouts together, known her forever. And she was on my podcast and she talks about 
imposter syndrome and getting her diagnosis and like how she feels with the, having the diagnosis. And I remember like her saying things and I was like, I don't have that because my husband has it. And, um, my husband's in the military. And so he, he has always thought I knew I had it. Cause I'm like very, I don't know, just, there's a lot of qualities that now I realize are very much my, my ADHD and not, um, not necessarily things that were negative or bad. It's just like, it was part of a diagnosis I had no idea about. So Scott comes home, I'm in tears. Lindsay's, you know, Lindsay's said some things. And then I look back on that interview and I'm like, oh, like I, do, I, ha- I have all of those traits. Like, I just didn't realize it. I was the last to find out like my friends have it. I've got, you know, it's a lot more common. It's a lot, especially for women. Um, it's a lot more uh, undiagnosed, um, same with autism where it's the diagnosis is don't come out until later in, in women's lives I've heard over time. So I guess this tracks and it makes sense. Yeah, Um, no, there's, there's been studies about that too, that I read. I remember when I first got diagnosed, it was in my early twenties and, um, with ADHD and now with autism. And, um, I, I remember reading, like this was before I came out as trans or anything. And I remember reading all those studies about, about how women are so overlooked. And I think that applies to people who are sort of socialized female, mm-hmm. you know, even if they don't end up being a woman, just what the expectations of society place on us. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to touch on that, I actually had a podcast interview, my friend, Julia, I used to work with her and she was like, I want to say she was 39 years old when she got diagnosed. And she was like, I didn't know on autism, with autism, not ADHD. Um, and, and so that's kind of what got me thinking about this. And I've done a lot more research in the last year. I don't know. I like learning things, but also learning about myself, learning this about myself, it made so much sense, Paint. I have to tell you, it was like, oh, well, that's why I do that. Object impermanence. That makes sense. Like, so my husband had me sit down and take a test and he's like, take this test. Cause he printed off the internet, take this test. And I scored a 60 and I'm like, is that good? And he's like, no, a high is a 30. You scored 30 more than that. Like you're off the charts. So I, I ended up calling a doctor and talking to her and explaining my, my background. And she had me take a, tra- a test for children because it was a pediatrician, uh, but she's a great family doctor. And um, she was like, yep, yeah, I'm just gonna put you on 10 milligrams of Adderall. And I was like, okay. And I've been on it for a whole year and I've been fine. And I do need to talk to her. I might need to tweak it, but regardless, I don't wanna become addicted to it. So I, I, I'm very careful with not touching the dosage, but there's been times where I'm like, this has done nothing. And I've opened the same 10 tabs like over and over and over again. Yeah, it can be, it can be tough with medication, like um, balancing um, what is and is not helpful. Like, you know, it's always something that you just have to manage, right? Like regardless of what the medication is or is not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't erase the fact that you uh, have it. It just sort of makes it easier to deal with, helps copes with some of the symptoms. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's, because like it, I would say, before I got diagnosed and before I was medicated, I had a harder time sticking to podcasting format. Um, so like my interviews were like all over the place and I would be like squirrel, but because I now know this about myself, I consciously make that effort 
to reel it back in and, you know, bring the topic back at hand, even when, you know, I'm having a great conversation. It's like, I have to still rein it in and not, and not like interrupt people and, and kind of think about it. So, so it's been helpful in a lot of ways. And also like, um, I think like a lot of maybe my depression in my early teen or my teens and my, and my twenties might've been just not being able to finish anything. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. It can have a huge impact, I think on your confidence and stuff. And like, it's crazy that they don't um, have like adult tests in the same way, like that they're mm-hmm. so hard to get. Like they always think of these things in terms of just affecting children. And it's like, no, no, it affects a lot of people. And those children grow up like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the time of recording this, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race, but I bring this up because you are someone that's non-binary and that there's a, there's a person currently on this season that is really breaking a lot of stereotypes and bringing a lot of visibility to being non-binary, got Mick. Um, and I was curious if you had any opinions about that. Um, I mean, I won't comment on, on RuPaul because I have complicated. I don't, I'm the same. same. <laughs> feelings yep, about that. I'm sure we have the same um, thoughts. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not super familiar with this particular person, but I think anytime any non-binary person is able to do something um, that they want to do and gain visibility and gain normalcy like you know become part of the world because we should just be part of the world like it's ridiculous the ways in which non-binary people have been erased from history and from society and so anytime anyone is bringing awareness to that, I think that's a good thing. Amazing. And and so uh, Gottmik on this season is uh, female to male trans, but then uh, he, him, non-binary. And, um, but also just someone that still wants to do drag and like loves makeup and fashion and all of that. Um, and he's, uh, has a beautiful story. Like the, I, I just, I suggest like if definitely checking it out. Cause I think, um, I think they're a really cool person and doing some really great stuff. Now, do I think it's an apology a little bit for the trans community and how RuPaul has treated them? However, I like that this is a person that has a platform that if they were to win, then they can bring so much visibility and bring things so much further along for people like yourself who need Mm -hmm. that visibility Mm -hmm. right now. And like, just going off of your description of this person, like that sounds very relatable. Yeah, (laughs) I was gonna say, I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, I I love that. Um, So let's talk about imposter syndrome because I love this question because I think like it's such a human emotion, but the way we all feel it is just so different. So I love like hearing like just kind of, you know, people's stories. So do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Yeah, so you you gave me the opportunity to think about this question and um, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, I think about it in terms of like, we've already touched on like the ADHD and the confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think that really ties in because um, for me, I was carrying a lot of invisible disabilities, um, not just like the ADHD and the autism, but also I have kneecaps that dislocate. I have a hypermobility disorder that's still not properly diagnosed. I don't think like I'm still working on that. Like it's, it's, it's a battle to be seen and understood. And so um, when the world especially is not validating, right. And the world especially mm-hmm. is not, um, giving me that support. 
it's hard. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I can really internalize that, like, well, I'm just making this up, like, this doesn't make sense. And so to overcome it um, has just been such um, a journey. And I remember even like one of my doctors was treating me at one point, and he's just like, you need more confidence. And I'm like, I know, like, that's why I'm here. Like, I'm trying to get help. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need to be seen for who I am. And that's yeah. what help me. I, I, I love that you're doing this for you and doing this so that you can feel confident and be more seen and seen for the person that you are on the inside. I think that's um, such a valuable takeaway from so many of the, the stories I've heard for people either transitioning or people dressing differently because it then makes them feel pow empowered. But then from the healthcare perspective, um, I have a friend, a really good friend that lives in Alberta. He he tells me all the time he's got um, bipolar disorder and it and just Canada makes it. Yes, you guys have socialized healthcare, but Canada makes it hard like oh, to yeah. do a lot of things like you guys are not close to any type of vaccinations right now. And, and I don't know what's going on. Cause meanwhile, everyone's lying to get theirs down here. Yeah, no, the, the mental health care system here is completely broken. Mm -hmm. um, I know so many people who, you know, they will go, they will go and they'll say, put me in the hospital, like take away my rights for this week. Cause I need treatment. I need intensive inpatient care treatment and they can't get it. That's, that's not accessible. People will be like, I want counseling. I need counseling to treat my trauma or this. They can't get it. It's not financially accessible. Mm -hmm. The only way that I've been able to access resources is um, basically just by um, being clever and accessing like a lot of either nonprofit organizations or working for companies that have really good benefits that include employee supports, that include yeah. counseling. And I've just bounced around, but that that has not given me any kind of continuity in my mental health care. Mm -hmm. I am the one who's managing that. I am the one who has to bounce from doctor to doctor to doctor to try to keep on top of my mental health. Like it's a full-time job. And I'm grateful to my husband for allowing me to, because um, I, I don't have a different type of sort of traditional employment anymore because I burnt out and I was just, mm -hmm. I was not okay. And I'm just grateful that he's allowing me to do that full-time work of taking care of my mental health and my well-being. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you have that opportunity now because I think like this last year has been insane. And um, I also think it's been a great pause, but a pause for positivity if people actually did that. I'm finding that I had, because I got laid off, I was able to pause and be like, oh, I finally have time for therapy. Like, what else am I doing? I finally have time to advocate for myself, get the diagnoses, do what I need to do. And I've never crafted a damn day in my life. And I started crafting, got the cricket machine now. I mean, like, it's really insane, like what I've done in this last year in terms of self-care, but I didn't have an employer that would have allowed that. And I think if I'd stayed at that job, I would have been burnt out just like you and mm -hmm. had just like, just ended up just hating it. So I think it's really precious and good that you are taking this time for you so that you can feel like even better, like an even better version of pain. Yeah. Um, and like, especially yeah. when you're not neurotypical, like 
um, the whole thing about like changing gears because you have to be like Mm -hmm. someone for your job and then you have to be someone for yourself. Yeah. And, and so when you no longer have to change those gears and you can just focus on the things that you're passionate about and the things that like are really calling to you, you can actually accomplish like so much more. You're right. And I actually really like that where you're going with that, because I think something that's been resounding among all of my guests in the last year, I mean, I've been doing this for a year, um, has been that really true, you attract more the the saying you attract more flies with honey versus vinegar, right? Like that's a, that's a saying in the United States. And, um, that also kind of goes into, if you start doing the things that you like to do, if you start doing things that you're passionate about, if you start doing things that are authentic to you, you're going to start collecting more relationships that are more, um, just more, they, more serving to you, more, uh, more compatible with you, whether it's friendships, whether it's uh, networking, whether it's jobs, etc. The more you align those chakras, the, like, the more you go with what the universe is telling you. I'm getting kind of bolder, neuropia and kooky here, but it really, I do believe in this. The more that you do towards needing to have that authenticity, the more that's come to you. And I've had my guests kind of say resoundingly, when I just started being myself, everything changed. Like when I stopped caring about like being the person that wasn't fitting in, in the room and just looked at everyone else and went, yeah, they don't know what's going on either. And like, I'm meant to be here. And it's a scary thing to have that confidence to start to say that it was like one day they were like, one day I woke up and I was like, I'm just going to be me and see what happens. And I kind of had that same epiphany in the last year. So, um, it's, it's always nice to talk to people who have kind of realized that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. So let's talk about success. What does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? So I used to think of success as like something that was really unattainable, right? Mm-hmm. Like it would be like this like picturesque moment. Um, and um, I, have a, I have a great example actually that I didn't, um, that I just thought of um, yeah. in terms of like, I, I, I planned um, my own wedding. Yeah. And my plan around my wedding was, it was actually a bit of like an intervention for myself. I was giving myself something to look forward to in the future. I was communicating to my partner that I wanted him to be a long-term part of my life and that I needed that. And so to me, it symbolized a lot of things. Um, And I did all of this kind of like random planning. And then there was this moment where we were just like, you know what, It's, it's time to just do it. And like, I had all these ideas about, you know, this thing that was unattainable, um, right? Like, um, having a rave and, and, and this whole thing. And we were going to get married on 420, 2020, because we thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. But we just, we just had this impulse to get married um, on Halloween the, the year before in 2019. And um, it was perfect because it was like, we just, we just leaned into that. And we just, you know, I had done all of this prep work um, already. And, you know, it didn't matter that I didn't achieve all of these other things, because the feeling I gave myself and the feeling that I needed that day to represent was all there. Yeah. And and people were able to step up for me because I just thought like, you know, my family doesn't love me. I feel like so many people don't love me, but so many people stepped up and made that happen with me. Yeah, I love that. Um, congratulations, by the way. Uh, that's that's a beautiful um, thing. Thank you for sharing that with me. And 
uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I idealized my wedding, but I always had a dream wedding. I want to be married by an Elvis and I was, and it was great. Uh, and I will tell you that at the end of the day, I've been married for four years. And at the end of the day, um, it's not about that moment. It's about what you have and no one can take that from you. Like I, my husband and I eloped and told no one and got married at the courthouse and then got breakfast burritos. And because of that, like Elvis's ass crack hanging out, like did nothing. Like it didn't ruin my day. And I was already married. Like I was like, I was like, no one could take that moment in time. And so, um, I think, I think weddings can bring out the best in people and they can bring out the worst in people. And yeah, mostly yeah. it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's a good like metaphor too, is like, you know, we can idealize a particular moment, but the success itself is, is ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I feel successful in my marriage, even though my husband's on a tin can somewhere in the middle of the ocean right now. Uh, I, I feel successful in my marriage in the sense that this last year, he and I, he's been gone about God, almost all of it. Um, maybe back for like 20% of it last year before deploying. And so I've been going through this alone, but the, that doesn't mean like people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I, you just do, you care, you love someone, you care about them. The distance is hard and it's hard to be apart from them. But, but the, but the, but the, but if, especially if there's someone like my husband is, who is definitely, I do believe in soulmates, someone that uh, really just is my absolute best friend. Um, you just go through it. And so our communication is amazing because we can talk, like we talk through email or we'll talk on the phone, but you have to really work at it. And marriage, when people say marriage is tough, it's like, it's not tough. It's just, you can't lose that spark. You never want to stop dating your best friend. And if that goes away, then it's a dead marriage. You know, it's, it's like I, he and I, our motto is regardless of whether or not we're together in terms of like distance that we always, you know, keep it light and keep it funny. Cause like, that's what we do. I mean, I think it's hilarious to dress up in Guy Fieri drag, who's a famous chef here in the United States. Cause he dresses like, he's like a meme. I think it's funny to like dress up like that and then send him an email and be like, not safe for work it's nudes and then it's just me as Guy Fieri like I you know like just I just do we just do things that we think are funny and like it's kept us I don't know it's kept our relationship so vibrant I think another thing that's good is we don't want children so I think like we'll always kind of just be each other's best friends just being goofballs but I like that I've got that person and so in terms of my my marriage and stuff I feel successful I feel successful um, especially in that. And that's the one, whenever I feel down, it's like, well, at least I'm doing good there. You know, like at mm-hmm. least, at least I'm, I'm laid off, but I have podcasts and it does. Okay. But I, at least I'm happy and I'm, and I'm with the right person. Yeah. Well, you, it sounds like you've kind of removed yourself a little bit from maybe the capitalist lens of success, right? Because it's, it's mm-hmm. not about Right? You're, you're, you're lucky, fortunate enough to be in a position where you can do that. And I, I think that success, people too often think it's about um, money or, or other things. And like, that's important because like, obviously we need to survive oh, yeah. and get by because this is the society we currently live in. And, um, but I think that there's more success to be found in like community and um, bringing stuff to life and connecting with people. And so like, I feel like, you know, success 
the de- de- definition of success is always changing. And mm-hmm. I think the definition of success should always be changing for success to happen. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, no, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and everyone answers this question so differently, but my therapist, uh, Justina, shout out to Justina, Justina. I don't know if she listens to this, but, but uh, my therapist, she, uh, she always reminds me to do a gratitude check, which has been so helpful in the last year. Um, you know, having a roof over your head, having food in the fridge, like not wanting to have to worry about things. Those are really awesome things that you, that like for me personally, when I'm feeling down, I remind myself, like, look at all of the things and then like, stop looking at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. And, you know, remind, like, it's just nice to do a gratitude check there, but then also like, um, I removed myself from that corporate lens and that capitalist lens because I, even if I had made more money at the job that I was at, I wouldn't have been happy. And I think something I've learned in the last year is that <clears throat> being successful is just being content and happy with what you have. Um, and it's not about money. And I think like money can be, if, if money's an issue in a relationship, it's going to be an issue forever. And I, I stand by that. I, I think it's very true. Um, but you're right. It's not about monetary. Monetary can help you maybe feel a little more comfy, but it's not about the monetary. It's about the, the, the values and richness in which you can't quantify, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like for me, like, especially when I deal with, um, you know, ups and downs, because um, with um, my own mental health history, it's like, you know, with the changing definition of success, it's like, you know, sometimes success is, you know, I just got through today. Yeah. And that's okay. Gold star. We did it. Right. And it's yeah. okay to just pat yourself on the back for that, you know, but also push yourself to be like, I can try again tomorrow. Yeah. To do better. Yeah. And you know, I had that attitude for a long time and it felt like I wasn't getting anywhere because I was just like, okay, I got through today. Okay. I got through today. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I'm finally starting to see some like real changes in my personal life and in, in sort of the, my immediate world around me that reflect that. Yeah, I am. I am starting to do better. And, and that's so exciting. That's a good feeling, especially um, as there's this new, I don't know if you feel this way where you are in Canada, but there's a new sense of hope. We're starting to feel more hopeful, um, at least the United States. We're also, you know, we're, we're, we're like you guys, like Canada's living above a meth house, really. Um, poor, like we're like the socks and sandals of the world and we, you live above us. <laughs> but uh, so... I, I think there's a sense of new hope and rebirth. And um, I, I keep seeing all these TikToks that are talking about like, oh, like what's going to happen when like the world goes back to normal and I like want to do like vampire voices because that's my new thing. <laughs> like, like what's a normal, like what's what's this going to feel like? What's it going to be like? It's going to be a new normal, a different normal. Um, it's obviously going to always be imprinted in our brains and stuff, but, but to feel good as things are sort of, having hope for the first time in the last year, it's got to feel good to like, you know, kind of feel at an upswing where you're kind of feeling like, okay, I've kind of figured it out. I feel really good about things and the world might reopen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's, it's very complicated because everyone has such diverse experiences of what this um, 
period of time has been like, but I think, you know, cause in a way there's been, there's been a lot of collective loss and trauma mm-hmm. uh, through it, but in a way it's also been um, a unifying experience because, you know, everyone has a relationship to what the pandemic has meant for them, mm-hmm. you know, what impacts it's had on their life, what, you know, opportunities it's taken away or it's enabled everyone, everyone is connected to that. And so, you know, I think that it's almost urgent that we needed to have a a universal point of connection in terms of the climate crisis. Right. And like, you know, maybe the pandemic is our wake up call to connect to each other, to start doing the things that we need to do to like, you know, make the world better and, and work towards the future that we need to have. Absolutely. I have this saying, and I've said it like over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like if I was to have like a slogan on a t-shirt, it would be this. Uh, if you're not coming out of this pandemic better than you went into it, then you're doing it wrong. And that could be for so many things like educating yourself on social injustice or, you know, stopping systemic racism or educating yourself on how to talk to someone transitioning or understanding what non-binary is so you can be a better ally. Like there's so many things that we can be doing to be better. And I feel like I have uh, found so much beautiful virtual community and so much beautiful virtual stuff that I'm going to miss the virtualness of it when eventually it's not virtual anymore. Like one of my favorite things I do is play drag bingo with Charlie Hydes from season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race, become a close, close dear friend of mine. Um, And I've met people all over the world. We all play this little game, Charlie, all of their gigs were canceled. So Charlie was like, I'm going to start doing this bingo. Cause I love, I love doing bingo and it's gone on and on and on for a whole entire year. And I joined it in August and it's starting to wind down because of course, you know, we didn't expect Charlie to do this forever, but there's a sadness that's connected to that where it's like, what are my Sundays going to mean when this isn't happening anymore? Like, am I still going to be close with all these people around the world? I hope so, but I'm I hope, but I don't know, you know? So um, I do believe that there's so much positive that's come out of this. And there was a lot of negative around the election time for us in the United States. And I don't really want to talk about that because, but um, I also feel like the world is starting to like normalize a little bit, but you're right. This is the first thing that we've all collectively globally have had to deal with. And everyone's dealt with it in a different way. Like my pandemic is different than your pandemic because like one, we live in two different, you know, two different places, um, you know, with a border. And two, um, I'm a military spouse. So my my pandemic is going to be way different. A military spouse with a deployed spouse. So like my pandemic experience is going to be way different than someone who is a military spouse, but doesn't have a deployed spouse. So it's just like weird how different things are, but overall the empathy for knowing that we've all gone through something together, I think is, is going to bring us closer. I think for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that there have been, you know, there's always been collective trauma in our society, but this one is like, um, um, special because of the, um, the, the tool that we have with the internet and with our ability to isolate and connect at the same time. It was just this very, you know, really realizing the potential of, I guess, that technology. Mm-hmm. And so for some of us, that's been good, right? Especially, I think, for some, depending on the person, like some neurodivergent people, it's been helpful. Some people, they've been having like real awful times, but I've, I've mostly heard neutral 
Like, you know, like I, I just, you know, I just want to be aware and always hold space and compassion for the fact that this hasn't been a good time for everyone. And, yeah, you know, like I, I don't expect everyone to come out of this, um, you know, having grown in a particular way. Um, I just know that I was lucky to have yeah. a situation that that enabled that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I appreciate that you leveled the playing field on with your with your commentary there because I think it's sometimes easy for for people who are um, I'm, I'm a high achiever and and that what that means is like I'm like a very much hustle drive person. I'm like a go go go. I gotta like do the best, be the best, do this, and that's just um, from childhood trauma. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I it's nice to always be reminded that like not everyone's had a good pandemic. I mean, I've had days where I just like, or I've had weeks where I couldn't get out of bed. Like, well, I'll be, I'll be clear right before I hit record with you. And I was a few minutes late to starting my zoom. I had a little bit of a panic attack while I was making my bed and putting the duvet cover on. And I was like, like if I had gotten a panic attack or I had an anxiety attack in like last year, it would have stopped me in my tracks, but because I've done so much work in therapy, I was just like, okay, count to 10. All right. Deep breath, deep breath. Okay. Now I need to go do an interview. We're going to go fill our water bottle and do our routine so that I'm grounded and I don't bring that anxiety into the interview. So I hope that was not obvious because no, I, I couldn't browser. tell at all. You're that welcome. Cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. work you've done on yourself. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot in the last year about myself, but you're right. Not everyone can right now. Some people have been essential workers this entire time and they have not been able to take a time for themselves and they're stressed and they're tired. And I, my heart goes out to them, but of course, like, again, it goes back to like having a different pandemic experience. Like everyone's is different. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I think we've talked about the elephant in the room, unless you have anything you'd like to say more about success, failures, figuring it out or imposter syndrome. But I like to go to the following part because it's my favorite, but, uh, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts? Um, I think I just wanted to touch on real quick because we, um, um, we touched on this and it's just like, Mm -hmm. I think that this is a really good example of just, um, the synergy of our species and you know like the the work that people do as artists and creators that's valuable in creating hope for each other and Mm -hmm. you know spiritually enriching content to kind of keep each other going and then there are people who are like hands-on getting their their hands dirty literally dealing with you know, trauma or um, sickness and death and dying. And so there's just so many different things that we as a species are doing all at once. And we're kind of like filling in these gaps. And I, I, that just speaks so much to this like really fundamental belief I have that we all have something within us to kind of give and contribute to each other and to society. Um, we're just not always enabled to reach that potential. And so I think that this is just like a really great example yeah. and point time to mention that, I guess. I don't know. Absolutely. I, I totally understand that. Um, you know, societally, we are told from young ages, just so many different things. And it's like, if we all just like took away those lenses of like syst- systemic whatever, and just kind of what, what people at least this next generation, like let our children just like be raised in a way where we just don't tell them anything. Don't gender it. Don't do this. Don't do that. And just like let people be, I think we'd have a more empathetic and compassionate and caring thing. Am I glad that the pandemic is helping to kind of equalize this and make people maybe a little bit 
better towards one another. Absolutely. So I agree with you. Interesting. So uh, I think we've addressed the elephant in the room. So I'm going to say Sasha away to imposter syndrome. And uh, again, I appreciate you so much for being uh, wanting to be on my podcast. It's always very humbling to have people reach out to me, especially with such unique stories like your own. And uh, so I love to do this because I, I love to hear what my guests, like how my guests' brains work. Uh, and I love what they're fanatical about. So what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Okay. Um, so one of the things I put was like, my favorite animal is the platypus. Love it. Because it's like so many different animals in one. And I did like a, a book report on a platypus in like grade two or grade three or something. It's like always stuck with me, like all these different parts, like it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. And, and I just, I relate to that a lot. Cause it's like, you know, people be like, oh, what gender are you? And I'll be like, well, I'll just take all these different pieces and we'll just smash them all together. And it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To touch on the platypus. Have you ever seen one in person? Never. That would be okay. a dream. I've looked at pictures. Like there's this like, um, you know, fantastical yeah. version of myself in my mind who like funds a uh, platypus sanctuary or something or like supports <laughs> well, people yeah. to take care of platypuses so or... yeah so the san diego safari park part of the san diego zoo it's it's very focused on conservation and they have a full platypus cave but there's like only one little one little platypus i thought they i don't know beanie babies did me dirty with the giant platypus that they made when they used to make those plushies and stuff there's no way platypuses are way smaller they're like the size of your hand Oh my gosh. That's so you, and cute. you wouldn't know it because they look huge because you're like, you think like beaver, that's big. You think duck, big. Platypus is like, no, I'm the size of a hand, mate. Like, <laughs> but it's so, I got to see it and it's actually, it's, they're, they're so weird. I love it. Like Australia is like, it's almost like if there was a being, I like to refer to Oprah god is oprah so if oprah was like putting animals in australia she was like that's where she put like her accidental ones that she couldn't like erase the things like they're like like the rough drafts <laughs> like the the drafts and i i think of australia they're like we're gonna put like the most venomous things on this island plus now hear me out duckbill beaver tail poison claws and it's gonna be the size of a hand but no one's gonna know it yeah <laughs> And all of the, all of the archangels are like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> that's so funny. Cause I have a, um, I like little plushie. That's a, mm -hmm. it's a hand sized platypus that I sometimes carry in my pocket. Yeah. Just to like comfort me. Like I'll like, just like squeeze it and hold it. And I really like it. And my husband got that for me. And I didn't realize that that was probably like, it's probably like a little one. I had a different one before I've, yeah. I've gone through a, a few uh, yeah. toy platypuses. Yeah. Well, if you ever get a chance to come to San Diego and go to the safari park, which is in Escondido, uh, just, uh, just North of San Diego. Um, it's worth it. The platypus is adorable and it will make you go, Oh, cause you're watching it swim and they swim so weird. I don't know if you've ever seen a video of them swimming, but they're so, I, I love that you love platypuses. It makes me very happy. Is there anything else you're <laughs> fanatical about? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so recently I completed making a tarot deck. Cool. And um, I realized though, that like when I was a kid, I was always collecting playing cards because I yeah. liked the shapes to them. Yeah. And sometimes there would be like different shapes. So you'd be like circular ones or oval ones. And so I've always had, I think I just like playing with cards and I have like a whole bunch of Oracle and tarot decks for myself and all kinds of different decks. I just love 
I love them. And so I've now completed one of my own, which is just so exciting. That's cool. Like what was your theme on it? Like, did you pick anything in particular or? Uh, Yeah. So it was about my, my objective, I guess, was to make the invisible visible. Uh And so it was focused on sort of my kneecap dislocations at first. And then it kind of went a little bit sideways into gender and a little bit sideways into neurodivergence. And um, it's just, just sort of like a way, like I just sort of like put my whole, like my, my whole life story and my dreams and, and who I am into it. And it's just, it was just so fun to make. Yeah. I love, I love that. That's so cool. Um, I wish I could. So I, I, I'm, I'm bad. I'm bad. I don't read, I don't read in advance because I want to be surprised by my guests and I like to get to know them, but I also like to be surprised pleasantly. But if I had thought ahead, I would have been like, you should have done a reading for me. (laughs) Oh yeah. And my deck is far away on the other side of the room. I thought about bringing it over here too. Um, We'll have to do it sometime. Well, this is a, this is a later conversation. Maybe we'll do like a bonus episode or something. Um, (laughs) But anyway, let's talk about unpopular opinions. Uh, I always say as long as they're not racist or homophobic, I'm cool with them usually. So what's uh, one or a few unpopular opinions you have and why I honestly hate cantaloupe and I think it's garbage. It's a filler fruit. So I always use that example, but go for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, well, like, I don't know. I think my unpopular opinion is that we should just let people be who they are and we should like love each other and like enable people to craft themselves as mm-hmm. they see fit, right? Especially once like, um, Cause there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of discourse that, that goes around, um, especially, you know, as a person who's autistic um, and trans, there's a lot of discourse going around about how people can't even think for themselves and can't even know who they are and can't even decide what they yeah. want to be. It's like, I'm 30 years old. I think I know what I want and who I am and what would make me comfortable in my body. And I think yeah. giving people the tools to, um, you know, if people have problems with how people I don't know, explore themselves. It's like, well, are you giving them resources to know themselves better or are you just, you know, just hurting them? I absolutely agree with this. I think it should, if, if, if you, if being yourself isn't hurting someone else, why is there such negative backlash towards it? I know it's because like a lot of this society doesn't understand it, but I've taken the time in the last year to really understand that like, it is okay to let someone be their authentic self. And I've, I've, I've shared a few trans stories over the last year, one of which is my friend, Carolina, who's dear and I love her so much. Um, but she came, she started transitioning male to female at 47 years old. Let that sink in, 47 years old, didn't understand why they were suicidal didn't understand why they, like she was having a hard time with marriages and was trying to be someone that, that, that ultimately she wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you know how much of her life would have been changed if she'd known this all along? And just oh, exactly. was able to do, it, that's the thing. It's like, it's like if, if a child wants to be a different gender to feel happy or a child wants to dress in whatever way they believe in, let them do it, stop telling kids that they can't play with GI Joes because they have Barbies or that like they can't, that that, an easy bank oven, you know, it's just, I I don't know. This gets me on my, this gets me heated because it's like, I have, I have nephews right now and there's six and um, almost a year. And my nephew goes to a Christian school, which is whatever it's closing. So hopefully he goes to public school next year, but my uh, nephew, I went for Easter and he's, um, 
he would say to me like, oh, well, boys can't do that. And I'm like, who, who told you boys can't do that? Who told you, like, he told, like, what do we say? Like he said, oh, eyelashes, having long eyelashes, that's a girl thing. And I was like, no, actually men typically have longer eyelashes. It's a non-gendered thing. You know, so I'm like trying, so I'm, I'm slowly trying to like educate him where I've been like, Bradley, like you can do those things. Girls and boys can do that. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. And it's so hard watching, um, from Canada, to, like watching the U S right now in terms of gender, because it's, it's constantly this, uh, tug of war of human rights and, um, yeah. different things. And I don't know, you know, what's, what's going to be the current events when this is released, but it's just, it's so hard and heartbreaking to hear about all the legislation that people are trying to put through, Mm -hmm. um, to punish children and, um, you know, I just, I really want people to have the freedom to be themselves. Yeah. And I just don't think it's hurting anyone, whether or not it's a different gender or a way you dress or a way you express yourself as if, if you're just being you, because that is what you want to be then like let people be I agree with you it's just it's 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 easier said than done because systemically it it'll be very hard to dismantle and you're right we have it's just so hotbed so hotbed I mean like how many times do I did I turn open the news last summer and it was like another black trans woman's dead and my friend you know Courtney she lives in fear and I I I why it's 2021 why do we have to live in fear it doesn't matter if you're not going if you're not going to have sex with this person why does it matter if you're not attracted to this person why does it matter why do you have to put your opinion out there it, there is just nothing there's no harm in that mm-hmm. so i'm with you i agree we should be allowed to be who we want to be especially because the world will be happier if we all just like lived our truths exactly yes yeah so what's currently making you happy in the world so um I get to live with four cats (laughs) I love it and um like me and my husband moved in with a roommate um because we couldn't afford our other place and the roommate had two cats and Uh we had two cats (laughs) and so it just it just turns into this like beautiful happy family cat time and yeah that's you're just, like a cat cafe oh yeah like it's just oh and they all have like I love all their little personalities and the way they interact with each other and I just you know they're just so sweet I I love that they all get along because like so many times I've heard horror stories of like people moving in and then like they're like I have a cat you have a cat it's, it's so weird with dogs it's like you make sure you because I'm I have a cavalier you make sure that you like introduce them, make sure that they're okay. Like, is there a pack order? And with cats, people tend to be like, nah, fuck it. Like we can always put one in a room and it can live in the room by itself all day, right? So it's it's good to know that they got along and there was no like pack order mentality and they're just hanging out, having a fun cat party. <laughs> I love yeah, well, that. We had, to do, we had to do a little bit of a staggered introduction mm-hmm. where we were like, like, you know, two or three out at a time and um, there are sort of two two male cats who had the hardest time getting along at mm-hmm. first, but now they'll cuddle with their backs touching. So I think we've made some progress. Oh, that's adorable. I love that. That would make me happy too. I'm uh, sort of allergic to cats and I don't have a huge frame of reference with them, but my friend Ryan has this really cute cat, Eloise, um, who that girl almost died the couple she 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 got we don't know how it happened but she got like a scab and then the scab got infected and then the, 
she had to be on like 75 different antibiotics to like get it drained. Then they had to have a CT scan all the while. Ryan didn't have insurance for this cat. And I was like, Ryan, you have to, she's, I was like, now she has a pre-existing condition. You can't put her on insurance now, Ryan. I was like, this time was two years ago, but thankfully Eloise is on the mend. She's adorable, but Bourdain does not understand cats, my dog doesn't understand cats and barks at Eloise. And so uh, he's cruising for a, he's cruising to catch those paws. Like he doesn't know what to do. Cause he's, he, he, you know, it's a pandemic. He hasn't had a lot of exposure. He doesn't bark at any other cat that he sees just Eloise. Mm. Cause he's excited. I think he wants to play with her and Eloise is not having it. She's a diva. She, she's not having it. Um, and she's a sweet, sweet, sweet cat. So I, I have, I, it's my one friend's cat that I like super super love is Eloise I mean I love cats like but I I've never hung out with them I've only hung out with Eloise like in the last year so I'm like oh I love Eloise she's the best Bourdain's weird yeah she's super cute she's super cute I was so worried about her gosh Ryan was like go my Ryan's a teacher she's also an officer in the National Guard and so I was like Eloise can't die because I'm moving and then your other support your other emotional support dog is going with me I don't know what you'll do (laughs) um and her mom like lives a couple or an hour and a half north and has um, two cavaliers and a bunch of other dogs and chickens and and all of that. So um, I think she'd be fine. But regardless, Eloise is on the mend. Um, but I think we're winding down. It's been so lovely to get to know you. And I always love to give my guests the floor to promote whatever they would like. And then of course, I always share everything in the description of the of the of the podcast so my listeners can like find you and help you with whatever the things you're promoting are. So what would you like to promote? Okay, so I have a few different things that I have available. Um, Now that I'm sort of a, I guess, just a self-employed creator, I've finished my tarot deck. So that's available. And um, all of the art is also available on um, t-shirts and uh, masks and accessories, all kinds of different things on Threadless. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have two poetry books that I've written, uh, Heavy Backpack and Strengthening Snowflakes. And those are just sort of about a lot of like queer neurodivergent feelings. And so all of those links can be found on my website, paint.gay mm-hmm. under things. It'll have like a tab that says things. And um, there's also a link there to my GoFundMe because I am fundraising to have a single mastectomy for my top surgery because I just want to embody sort of my many gendered feelings. And so, yeah, uh, good for you. Congrats. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that'll be a huge step. And it took me so many years to finally have the courage to just come out and say what I wanted. And um, unfortunately, because it's unusual, it's not going to be funded through traditional healthcare. So I have to figure out the funding myself. And I'm just hoping to be uplifted by my community for that and by anyone who's listening. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, like all of this stuff's going to be in the description. And, um, you know, as I, as we wind this down and we're leaving, um, I just want to say thank you again for being on my podcast. Um, you are wonderful. It, it's been so nice to get to know you and to my listeners, of course, this is please don't kick me out. This is a paint. Uh, get in touch with paint. They are wonderful and deserve this top surgery. Absolutely. And deserve all the great things in the world. And um, to you, to you and your partner, I give you many, many good vibes and positive vibes for you to have a great rest of your week, but thank you again for being on the podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful day. 
Thank you so much. This was absolutely lovely. Oh, thank you. We'll have to do a tarot reading soon. All right. Bye, hon. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Sounds great. Bye. Hey, all. Another thing I've done in the last couple of months was be on Amber LeMay Live. Amber LeMay is a beautiful human in Vermont who hosts a live show um, every Sunday, which used to coincide with when I was playing Charlie Hyde's Bingo, but I was able to be a guest and it really changed my life for the better. They're always looking for new and unique talents and people who have a really cool story to be interviewed on Amber LeMay Live. So I'm going to share all those descriptions or all the information, I should say, in the description and my guest today, Gary, has a tie into Amber LeMay as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope that you reach out because everyone has a story to tell. And if my podcast hasn't taught you anything in the last year, it's that no boring stories. Everyone's got a story and everyone's interesting. So I hope you enjoy the episode and thank you so much for your continued support and for listening. Hey all, something that I've done virtually in the last couple of weeks, months, whatever, is play bingo with Miss Richfield. Miss Richfield is a lovely, lovely human who, out of the kindness of their heart, does weekly a virtual bingo that's free to play. You can play online or even be a guest. They're always looking for guests. I'm going to share that in the description. It's such a fun time. If you are in Provincetown or P-Town, feel free to check out Miss R. She is going to be there this summer. Um, I'm trying to make it out there. We'll see. But that's actually how I met my guest this week, Gary. I'll get into that. But yeah, go to playbingobonanza.com every Monday and thank me later. listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use PDKMO to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dashofpep.com pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.